So do you know the people of hope? Do you know them? Do you know the people of hope? Your silence tells me either you don't or you're being polite. I wonder this morning if you know, if we know the people of hope, because we need to know the people of hope, right? Because we need hope. There are umpteen reasons to need hope today. You don't have to look any distance at all to find people in our, our town, our community, your neighborhood that need hope. We are a people in desperate need of hope, and many, as we've been listening to prayer requests this morning, many need hope urgently. But we all need hope. And I wonder as we prepare to finally leave 2020 and step into 2021, I wonder if we know the people of hope. More importantly, I wonder if we know the one who provides the hope to the people of hope. And I want to know if you truly consider yourself a person of hope. There are a lot of circumstances, not just now, but throughout history, where people might have said in their minds, I'm a person of hope. But the realities going on around them spoke against that hope. The realities that they were living in and facing spoke anything but hope. And I think for obvious reasons, it's good for us to revisit their experience today because many of us find ourselves in similar situations. You may remember that God had called together His people and He had given them a way to be His people. I'm talking about the Old Testament, obviously, and the many, many stories of the people of, of God, the, the, the Israelites, the Jews. And in particular this morning, I want you to turn to Isaiah, where we're going to talk a little bit about and remember some of what the people of God dealt with, even in the midst of hope. Our passage today is found in Isaiah chapter 61. The prophet Isaiah had been sent to the people of God to speak to them a word from the Lord. And that word involved a number of things. That word involved, first of all, a warning, a calling to the people of God to return to Him, a warning of what was going to happen because they had wandered off. Not new news. You and I both know, if you know anything about the story of of the ancient Israelites, that this was common. They, they had done this over and over again. But the prophet Isaiah has come to them to speak to them a reminder once again of the way of God and a warning of what happens when they don't follow Him. But he doesn't leave it at that. He speaks a message of hope. He says to the Israelites, The Spirit of the Sovereign Lord is on me because the Lord has anointed me to proclaim good news to the poor. He has sent me to bind up the brokenhearted, to bandage them up, in other words, not bind them as in tie them up, but bandage them, to proclaim freedom for the captives and release from darkness for the prisoners, 
to proclaim the year of the Lord's favor and the day of vengeance of our God, to comfort all who mourn and provide for those who grieve in Zion, to bestow on them a crown of beauty instead of ashes, the oil of joy instead of mourning, and a garment of praise instead of a spirit of despair. They will be called oaks of righteousness, a planting of the Lord for the display of His splendor. They will rebuild the ancient ruins and restore the places long devastated. They will renew the ruined cities that have been devastated for generations. The prophet is speaking a word of hope that's going to take place when this, this anointed one comes. That the Spirit of God is upon the anointed one to perform all these works of, of healing, of restoration, of rescue. This is good news, and yet there's a reference to a lot of news that is full of heartache, of despair, of difficulty. He speaks of ashes. He speaks of mourning. He speaks of, of a spirit of despair. He speaks of people who are grieving. Now we're familiar with some of these things today. We look around us and we see all kinds of reasons for grief. We see all kinds of reasons for despair. Many people today are wondering. People are asking questions. What time are we in? What is happening to us? What's happening to us as a country? What's happening to us as a people? What is happening to us as as the people of God. Is He coming back? Is this the time? What's going on? Because we too are experiencing a lot of these real difficulties and concerns. It might be helpful to you to remember the story in particular, to know where Isaiah is in his time with the, the people of God. The people in Israel and the people in Judah all made up God's people, but two different kingdoms. And the people of Israel at this writing had already been taken into captivity. Their rebellion against the Lord had been so bad that the country of Assyria, through God's own working, had already taken them and hauled them off. But the people in Judah, the southern kingdom, had not yet been exiled. But that was coming. If you flip back to the beginning of Isaiah, all the way to chapter 1, you can hear that initial calling. For the whole first chapter begins a pretty strong word about what God was going to do to His rebellious, unfaithful people. If you jump down to verse 28 at the end of chapter 1, he says, rebels and sinners will both be broken and those who forsake the Lord will perish. You will be ashamed because of the sacred oaks in which you have delighted. In other words, the idols that you have worshipped, the ways in which you've been unfaithful and rebellious. You'll be disgraced because of the gardens that you've chosen. You'll be like an oak with fading leaves, like a garden without water. The mighty man will become tender and his work a spark. Both will burn together with no one to quench the fire. This is a hard word to read. It's a hard word even today. And if you think about the same God who gave this prophecy then, 
is the God we worship today. He's the same God who has expectations for His people. And yet He is a God of hope. We're left to reconcile where we fall in our relationship with this God. We're left to wonder if God's people of old, if the ones who were spoken of over and over and over in the Old Testament struggled to remain faithful over and over, if they kept wandering over and over, if even with the Lord's hand upon them, they struggled to be who He called them to be, then what hope is there for us? Aren't we also the people of God? Don't we also have the same callings that they had? Don't we have the same expectations upon us? Is this not in fact the same God we worship that they worship? <coughs> and God very clearly was unhappy with the rebelliousness of His people. And so we hear this word of warning, this, war, this word of punishment that is coming. And we wonder, if they couldn't do it, can we? What will keep us from suffering the same end that was prophesied here in this word? Well, we have to know the story, first of all. We have to understand what they were called to do and why, and we have to understand where we fit in the story. We also have to remember who our God is and what our God was doing and what He is still doing. You remember, because we've talked about it over and over and over, that God had called together His people to be faithful witnesses. To live in a certain way so that everyone else would come to know Him. Would find out who He is by the way in which His people relate to Him. And what it means to have this God as their God. To understand who this God is, He gave them instructions. But He also continued over and over, even in their rebellion, to tell them that He would be true. And He would provide a way for them. So you hear such stark warning. And if you read the first 39 chapters of Isaiah, you'll get more and more and more of this. And it's tempting to think, how is this a God of hope? How is this a God of fairness? How, why would we want to follow this God? And yet if we're honest with ourselves, if we face what these folks did with what God had given them, and we look at ourselves today, do we not have reason? To wonder why He gives us hope? Do we not have reason to look at ourselves? Our society? Our country? The things that are happening? And wonder how much of this we brought on ourselves? Because we've looked away? Because we have tried to set ourselves up as they did? As a, as a special people? Have we in fact not kept the way of the Lord? It's hard language. These are hard stories, and it's a harsh reality to face today. But I bring it up for a couple of reasons. To say that we're a people of hope without any 
recognition of the reality of who we are and whose we are would be a false sense of security. It would be a meaningless statement to say we're a people of hope if we don't have anything to hope for. If we're perfectly content with the way things are or the other side of it, we think that this is just the way it's going to be. And I challenge you this morning to consider that statement. Do we look at the way things are and just sort of resign ourselves to the fact that this is the way it's going to be? Do we as the people of God look at the way things are, even in our country with all that's going on, and just kind of resign ourselves to the fact that this is the way it's going to be with people who are selfish, self-centered, broken, following in our own ways. Because if we have, then we're not actually people of hope. And if we are people of hope, then who is? Come back to 60, chapter 61. The prophet says to the people of God, in the midst of their brokenness and their waywardness, the spirit of the sovereign Lord is on me and has anointed me to proclaim good news to the poor, to bind up or bandage the brokenhearted, to proclaim freedom for the captives and release for the, from darkness for the prisoners, and to proclaim the year of the Lord's favor. To proclaim the year of the Lord's favor. Aren't we in need of a year of the Lord's favor? Aren't we a people who need the very things that were promised, prophesied to the people of God way back then, that in fact dealt with a lot of the same problems we deal with today? If you follow the rest of the story in Isaiah and the story of the people of God on beyond this prophecy, you'd know that Judah too continued in their way even in spite of the prophecies and eventually found themselves also exiled. Exiled to Babylon. You can imagine what the people who called themselves the people of God who were tied to the land of God felt like when they were removed from that land. Surely everybody around them would have said, if you've lost your land, do you really have any hope? If you've lost your land, is, is there any truth to you being the people of God? If you've lost your land and you've been hauled off into exile, who, who really is this God you claim to follow? And why would we want any part of it? You may remember the story enough to know that the people didn't stay in exile. God was true to His Word. It took a long time for them to, to suffer under the consequences, but He in fact brought them back out. He returned them to their land. 
which is a testimony to the fact that the God that they served and the God we serve is a God of hope because he's a God that's true to his word. Now granted, we need to know his word to know that, but he is a God who is true to his word and the story of the Israelites stand as a witness to that. And you might counter that and you can say, okay, so read, once they returned from exile, that was it, right? Then blessing came and then they've been then they've been exactly who God wanted them to be ever since. Which would be a misunderstanding in a variety of ways. Would be a misunderstanding of who God is and all that He was going to work out in history and where we find ourselves today. To grasp the significance of what happened to those people and how it informs us today, you have to know that that in the first century, the people of God, the Israelites, back in their land, found themselves in this same situation. Granted, they were back in their land, but they were ruled by a foreign government. They found themselves yet again without hope. They had not, in fact, experienced the full blessing that they waited on from God. And into the midst of that came the one whose birth we're getting ready to celebrate. Just as God had spoken through the prophet Isaiah, now God sends His own Son, Jesus, to speak these same words. You find that in Luke 4. We've studied that. You may remember. And Jesus came quoting this very Scripture to say, I'm now here. The Spirit of the Lord is upon me. And He told the people in His hometown that were hearing this, this Scripture is in fact fulfilled today in your presence. In other words, God continued to uphold His Word. Even though His people had again rebelled, had again found themselves in a place of need and in despair and in longing for the promises of God to come true, God continued to bring about hope. God continued to fulfill His promises to His people. And we know the story. We celebrate God's birth. And yet we know what happened to Him. We know that they killed Him. And God raised Him from the dead. And we celebrate the fact that we've been forgiven our sins. And yet isn't there if we really get real with each other today, isn't there a sense that we are still dealing with many of the problems that were dealt with in the first century and were dealt with way back in the 600-700 B.C. era when Isaiah was written? Is there not still rebellion in the land? Is there not still a waywardness with God's people? So what is it that we believe? What is it that we celebrate as Christians? What is it in the coming of, of Jesus' birth and His return to us as everlasting King that we celebrate if this recurring problem is still with us? I ask you these questions today because the first question I asked is, do you know the people of hope? And I hope sincerely 
that your answer was, well, yes, not only do I know them, I'm a part of them. We are a people of hope. But it's easy to say that without maybe wrestling with what people outside of the church would question. How is it, if this is your God and you're His people, how is it that you're experiencing many of the same things that God's people have throughout the centuries? How much of a God of hope is He? If you're true to His, His promises, if you're true to His reason for hope, then what separates you from the rest of us? What truly do we celebrate and why do we have integrity when we say to people, we are the people of hope? I'm pushing you to answer this question. I'm pushing you to examine these scriptures. I'm pushing you this morning because I think far too many times we the people of God, we the people of hope, go through the motions of celebrating Christmas just like everybody else. And I wonder truly how much reason we give others to believe there is a God of hope and He has a people of hope. Because if we look just like them, if we continue to experience the same problems and difficulties, then what hope do we have to speak of? Because we say we believe in the One who came and saved us from our sin. And yet, we're living in the midst of all kinds of problems and difficulties. So what are we to do with that? How are we to answer real questions like that? I don't know if you've had conversations with people recently about this. But these are questions that are asked out there beyond us. These are real questions. Some are asked argumentatively. Some are asked almost as a pushback to say, I don't believe it and you've got no way of proving it. Some are asking it because they are in despair and need hope and are hoping against hope that we might actually have an answer. So when I ask, do you know the people of hope? When I ask, are we the people of hope? What answer will we give them? We are preparing to celebrate one of the greatest days in history. We are getting ready to celebrate one of the greatest events in history. We are getting ready to celebrate a day that has impacted people all over the world. And yet, can we answer intelligently based on something more than just our wonderings or our thoughts or our nice sentiments. Why were the people of hope? Friends, I want to encourage you to think about something. This passage begins prophecy 
hundreds and hundreds of years ago with the spirit of the sovereign Lord is on me because the Lord has anointed me to proclaim good news. When Jesus came to me among us, one of us, he said the spirit of the Lord is on me. He has anointed me to proclaim good news to the poor. And when he left, he gave us a challenge, a command, and a promise. He gave us a challenge to go out and make disciples, which is to say to continue his work. He gave us a command to love each other. And you think, how in the world are we going to do that when they couldn't do that? Because the Spirit of the Lord is upon the prophet. And the Spirit of the Lord is upon the Son of God. And now by His grace, the Spirit of the Lord is upon you and me. The Spirit of the Lord, the Spirit of this Lord, is upon you and me. And the Spirit has no limit. The Spirit empowers for a purpose to bring about God's goodwill. So when we celebrate Christmas, we celebrate the incarnation, we celebrate the fact that God came as a person to save us, but we celebrate so much more because that event meant so much more. Because Jesus came to live among us and poured out His Spirit, you and I have this same challenge and privilege and promise. And I wonder today if there are other people who are the people of hope because we have taken what He's given us and believed in it. Do we believe we have the Spirit of God living in us? Really? This Spirit? Do we believe that if His Spirit lives in us, we can proclaim good news to the poor? We can bandage up the brokenhearted? We can proclaim freedom to the captives and release from darkness for the prisoners? Do we believe we can do that? Do you? I challenge you with that today because it's the word of the Lord and it's true. And I want our celebration to be full of hope. Not based on sentiment, but based on reality. I want us to celebrate before anybody and everybody that God came as a man and lived and died so that His Spirit might live in us that we all might continue His work. That means that in each community we live in, according to the Word, the incarnation is still true. And I wonder if we celebrate that. I wonder if we think of that. I wonder if the community you live in knows of the incarnation 
Because they see the Spirit of God working through you to do these things in your neighborhood. Do we represent the workings of the Spirit of God through us in such a way that Jesus is celebrated? I wonder when we sing about His birth, when we sing about Him being announced, when we sing about His calling to us to come and be healed, when we sing about the good news that we celebrate at Christmas, I wonder if it has more than sentimentality to it. I wonder if it actually works itself out through us. Because friends, you and I have access to this Spirit. And you and I have the very real ability to bring these kinds of tangible results in our communities because the Spirit of God works through us. If we do, and if we are, because we believe God to do it, then our celebration at Christmas is real. It's so real that we can tell it with confidence. Are we telling it with confidence? Do we believe it with confidence? Are we truly the people of hope? The Lord wants us to be. The world needs us to be. I ask you this morning again, do you know the people of hope? Are we willing to be the people of hope? Because we believe in the one we celebrate. This is the calling of the people of hope. Can invite the worship team to come up and close us this morning. I don't know where this leaves you. It has challenged me greatly as I've studied this passage. It has challenged me greatly in some of the words that I've spoken to you and I've actually heard spoken to me. Because it is so easy to get caught up in all the struggles and challenges and for our hope to be way out there in the future. Or maybe just in the things we see around us. I've mentioned that repeatedly for the last number of weeks. Maybe our hope is in, in the elections. Maybe our hope is in a vaccine. Maybe our hope is in something we haven't even actually articulated. But I wonder, is our hope really in this risen Lord? Is our hope in the one who is coming back again, not to bring for the first time, but to see how his people are doing with what he's given us? And to finish his work. Do we believe this word? Do we believe this hope? 
when we kneel down or sit down or stand up and celebrate Christmas this year? Is it evident in our living, our actions among our neighbors that we are people of hope, confident hope, because His Spirit is present in us and acting through us for their benefit. For those of you who've been hearing these messages now for a while, I totally understand if you're saying, Reed, this is the same message, man. You're preaching this over and over and over again. You come at it from different ways, but it's the same message. You'd be right. It's the same message. And this message is waiting on us to believe it. This message is waiting on you and me. Forget about others. This message is waiting on you and me to, to, to believe it to the point that we start living on it. That we start living by the spirit of this message. That we live our lives as a demonstration that this is the spirit who lives in us and he's active and alive. And he's still bandaging up the brokenhearted. He's still sending forth light for those who can't see their, find their way in this darkness. What would it look like in Rock Hill? What would it look like in your county if the people of God so believed this message, so got the hope of Christ in us that we didn't have to say a word? Because they were witnessing the workings of the Spirit through us. Friends, this isn't a call for you to do something. That puts it back on us. Don't try to go out and make this happen. That's not what I'm speaking of this morning. What I'm speaking of is believing. Believing that He meant what He said and that it's true. And asking Him to make this real in us saying, I'm willing to stake everything that I am. I'm willing to risk hoping in what I can't see based on the truth of what I hold and hear and live by. And if I do, this God will work through us. And this message will be evident. This is what we're called to. And you can see the same thing I can see. You can look around and see the great need for this evidence, this message to be evident. A people living a different way. God calls us to come as we are because He wants to pour His Spirit into us so we leave a different way and our life looks radically different. This is real and it's for now. As we sing this song, ask yourself the question, have I accepted this to this degree? Do I need to recommit to this? 
do I in preparation for the event of Christmas need to renew all over again? Yes, Lord, I do believe that this is who you are. This is who we are. And this is what you're doing through us. Come do it through me. If you need to do that, then however you do it this morning, Come as you are to the Lord and ask Him to do this in you. May the Spirit of God testify to the birth of the risen one in us.